Please remain standing for our gospel lesson, which is taken from Luke's gospel, chapter 3. And I will be reading verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. Luke chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then all the people were being baptized. Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. I'm sure I gave Justin a, uh, a, a shock by calling him his brother's name. He's in the military. Right? Still yet? Is that right? Yes. Uh, but it's Justin. Is the <laughs> so I'm sorry, Justin. His father will be a grandfather before me. I guess I will have to tease him about that, about the age, so forth. But anyway... Uh, we want to pray for you, and God bless you, and it's the most delightful thing in the world to see young children born into the world, isn't it? Uh, it's something that we ought to more and more account as precious in our midst, particularly at a time and place when, when that is not happening enough. Uh, children are a heritage from the Lord. There is nothing more delightful, it seems to me, than that promise in the Scripture. Yesterday on the radio, uh, Redeemer Broadcasting, I don't know whether any of you heard it or not. Did any of you hear our broadcast yesterday? Maybe some of you did. No, not many. Well, you start, I'll just start listening on Saturday at 10 o'clock. 10 and 2. So this will be new to you. Yesterday we discussed uh, the baptism of the Lord, knowing that uh, today I would be preaching on this. And also, what an important event this is uh, for us to remember. Uh, we talked about the baptism of the Lord there, and I mentioned that the baptism of Jesus was one of the milestones in Jesus' life. Now, I want you to, re to, to think of this. Baptism is a milestone in his life, and, and I hope this sermon will demonstrate that. It is also true that the transfiguration was a milestone in his life. And later on, I will preach on the transfiguration. The third great event in his life, of course, was his death on the cross. Both the transfiguration and the baptism of the Lord in the scriptures are linked to his death. 
And of course, the fourth great event in his life was the res his resurrection from the dead. And finally, the great and fifth event in his life was his ascension on high. The sixth one is yet to happen. And that, of course, is the return of the Lord. But five of them have happened in his life. And it is right as Christians that we remember these. Now, I want you to notice that the scripture gives a great deal of space to all five of these events. It is in one sense significant that each gospel writer dwells on these five events. And of course, it dwells most on the death and resurrection of Christ. So I want to talk about the resurrection uh, uh, I mean, the, uh, the baptism of the Lord in the light of his resurrection, in the light of Pentecost, as we shall see today. And so Jesus came to the Jordan to be baptized of John. What is intriguing about John the Baptist is that he too is given a lot of space, as you have heard me say, in the New Testament. He was a strange bird. I'm not sure that any of you, if you met him, would not be put off by him. First of all, he was a man of the desert. He was single-minded in everything that he did. His food was bloodless, and that was on purpose. He ate locusts, and they believed in that day that locusts didn't have any blood in them. And wild honey. And he came out of the desert dressed as an Old Testament prophet. He, he, he looked and maybe even deliberately dressed like Isaiah is described in the Bible. But above everything else, he was a serious man. He was serious about the spiritual condition of his people. And so he began to baptize and baptism here is in the context of the baptisms of latter Judaism, the, the washings, the ablutions that took place. He called them out to the Jordan River to be washed in the river with the promise that their sins would be forgiven. It was a baptism of repentance and a new start and a new life. Now, what all he had in his mind, we don't really know, but we do know that he was concerned about the spiritual welfare of his people. He was even so significant in the New Testament that many people thought he was the promised Christ. In the first century, you might say there was a messianic fever. There was a strong expectation that the Lord was coming, the Messiah of God. And many people thought it was John the Baptist. But John says, no, I am not the Messiah. There will come one who is greater than I am, who's the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. I baptize you, he said, with water, but he will baptize you with fire, with the Holy Spirit. In the course of his baptism, Jesus comes to the River Jordan to be baptized. Now, it's difficult to discern how much association John and Jesus had had with each other up to this point. John appears to be one of those who went to the desert and lived in the desert apart from people. 
Many people think he was an Essene, part of a community that was totally isolated only of men who studied the scripture and denied themselves in view of the coming of the Messiah. But anyway, he comes out of the desert and he begins to baptize and Jesus appears to be baptized. This much he does know about Jesus, that he is a righteous man. And he questions in his heart and mind, why should you submit to baptism? You are a man who lives, if you will, can I put words in his mouth, who live in a state of repentance. You are righteous in your ways. You do not need baptism. And Jesus then says something to him, which is a puzzle to many and has been down through the centuries. Commentators sometimes have struggled with these words that Jesus responded to him. And he responded this way, suffer it so to be for now to fulfill all righteousness. And there Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. And a mighty revelation took place at that point. A voice spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The dove descended upon him and the dove was in the form of the Holy Spirit. And here we have Trinitarian theology there at the Jordan River, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It is no wonder later that Christians understood that God was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, though there was only one God. John says the next day, if you read in the Gospel of John, that the reason that Jesus was baptized and he began to put it together and he says to reveal who the Messiah was. It was a revelation from God. And Jesus was revealed on that occasion as the Messiah of Israel. Now I want to examine the baptism of Jesus. This can get quite theological. My wife sometimes chides me for being a little bit too theological in my presentation, fearful that I will lose half the people. When people hear the word theology, they tend to tune out. But let's just think for a little bit about what this means. What does it mean then for Jesus to fulfill all righteousness? And what we find is that there are several things here that took place at that baptism. And I want to point them out to you. First of all, when it says that Jesus came and was baptized at the River Jordan, it was a revelation of the Messiah. Many people at that time began to gather around Jesus. For John pointed not to himself, but to Jesus as being the Lamb of God. And so therefore he fulfills his role in the scripture as preparing the way of the Lord. He then is baptized and it is a revelation. Every time in the scripture when it says that the heavens opened, it is a revelation from God. And so there on the river Jordan, Jesus was revealed to be the son of God. It is also a very important thing, and the, we infer this, 
that Jesus, to fulfill all righteousness, is identifying himself with us. Now, follow the reasoning here. When Jesus was born in the Bethlehem manger, he, of course, was identifying with human beings. He became part of our race. He took upon himself human language. He spoke to us like any other person. He identified with the human race. And the scripture is clear that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent him into the world to seek and to save the lost. But what is significant at the baptism of Jesus is this. That in his baptism, he identifies not only with us as human beings, but he identifies with us as sinful human beings. He comes and stands in the place of the sinner. He comes and stands in the place of the one who is in need of repentance. You might say he is baptized into sinful human race. And it is interesting that twice more the word baptism is talked about in the Gospels and they point to Jesus' death. When Jesus was baptized at the River Jordan, he was identifying with you and with me. And that identification would eventually take him to the cross where he would suffer death on your behalf and my behalf, bearing away our sins. There is something else here, though, that he also identifies with from his work, and that is this, that he is coming to baptize, not simply to baptize. I don't know if Jesus baptized anyone himself, but his disciples did. But he does baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And this, of course, is a foreshadowing of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That is when the Holy Spirit comes to fulfill and energize the church. And at the baptism of the River Jordan, we get an inkling of Pentecost. But more than that, we get an inkling of final judgment when he talks about the fire. So this is indeed a great revelation of God that took place at the River Jordan on its banks. Now, I have a question. What does this mean for you and for me? It means, of course, that Jesus has identified himself with us. He has been baptized, if you will, into sinful humanity so that he might die on the cross for sinners and be raised the third day. Jesus is interested in signs. You know, sometimes we make very, very little of signs. Holy signs, for instance. But that's not the case in the New Testament. Many things Jesus did as signs. As a matter of fact, the whole Gospel of John, if you will, is sign after sign pointing to who Jesus is. And this sign of his baptism at the River Jordan is his identification with you and with me. Now, what does this mean? It seems to me that at the least, this is calling for us to be identified with Jesus. We are to be identified with him. You say, Pastor, how is that? Through baptism. Yes, through baptism. 
Baptism is a wonderful sign that God has commanded in the scriptures. Jesus was baptized at the River Jordan into the sinful human race so that we might be saved through faith in him. But also, his baptism into us calls for our baptism into him. And I'm not talking simply about some kind of spiritual baptism, though there is a spiritual, indeed a spiritual dimension to baptism. I'm talking about a real outward sign of baptism. When Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches the first Christian sermon, I want you to notice what his theme is. His theme, of course, is repentance. He preaches this powerful sermon and the crowd asks, what shall we do? And he says, repent every one of you. But he also says to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The sign of being a Christian is your baptism. I have discovered something. I can preach to a crowd. I don't know that, that this is the case here today. I can preach to a crowd somewhere, someplace, and I will discover that many people talk about being a Christian and they have never received this sign of initiation of identification with Christ. And it is something that the scriptures emphasize, but it seems that modern people can de-emphasize it. In thinking about this sermon, I wondered if it is even right for a person to wear a Christian cross who is not baptized. All kinds of people. You can see rock stars and everyone else on television with, with no thought of Christianity wearing a cross as a piece of jewelry. For many, it is a piece of jewelry. But I am wondering if it is even right for anyone to wear that precious sign of the death of Jesus until they have identified with him through baptism. This is a marvelous account of Jesus at the River Jordan. It is no accident. It is there for our edification. It also is a call for us to repent and to turn to him for our sins. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. But our baptism, too, calls for repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance, what is it? What is repentance? Well, there are two words in the Bible that, that, that talk about repentance. One is an Old Testament word, and one is a New Testament word. Now, there are many words for repentance, but these are the two main ones. In the Old Testament, the word is shuv. And it means to turn or return to the Lord. Israel was called over and over again to return to the Lord. Because she kept falling away from her covenant responsibilities. And the prophet after prophet came calling the people back to repentance, to return to the Lord. Repentance then means to turn or to return to the Lord to turn away, if you will, from the sinful world and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, people say, you know, I know so-and-so really repented. Boy, they shed tears you wouldn't believe. Repentance is not necessarily associated with tears. It may or it may not be. But our baptism continually causes us 
and, and challenges us to return to the Lord and to repent of our sins. You live under a holy sign as a Christian. And it always means that you are to repent of your sins and to turn to the Lord. But also, repentance is a call to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Each Sunday morning here, we worship the God of heaven in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are told in scripture that he is the only mediator between heaven and earth. And we are called to have faith in him, to place our trust in him. You live under a sign. It's called baptism. It is a reminder for you over and over again to put your faith and trust in Christ and his promises, which are yea and amen in Christ. Joe and his family have gone through uh, a funeral of his mother. And uh, those are events that we all go through and that we will go through. Our repentance is a reminder at those times to particularly look to the Lord Jesus Christ for his comfort and promises that he is the resurrection and the life. Everything that took place at the River Jordan at that time, which is found in Matthew's gospel, Luke's gospel, Mark's gospel, and John's gospel, that event reminds us that we are always to do the works of repentance and to put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am happy that my children live under a holy sign. And I pray very frequently that that sign will be fulfilled in their lives. Let me close today with uh, a story. Uh, many of you know this lady. And I, I think I'll ask for a show of hands. How many of you remember Jean Brown? A lot of you. She helped out in every Bible school in this church. And even when she was well into her 80s, she would play the piano. She was my piano player for Sunday evening. And she really had the joy of the Lord in her heart. And I can remember one time after the evening service, we were standing here and she was saying, Pastor, I've got a couple of children that are very disappointing. I wish, I wish that they would be living for the Lord, but they're not. But she says, I'm holding on to one thing, that they have had a sign placed over them. And I pray that God will bring them back to identify with him through faith and repentance every day. And let me tell you something, and this is a good story with a good ending. Both her sons came back to the Lord, back to Christ. That is a powerful sign. And when you look at your child, look at them as one that is living under a holy sign. When you see your neighbor here in the church, and your neighbor may not be living for the Lord that the way they should. Remember that they live under a holy sign. And you pray that God will enable them 
to be worthy of that sign under which they live. Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan. He was baptized into this sinful human race that he might save us from our sins. You are to be baptized into him so that you might be identified with him in his death and his resurrection and his, his elevation on high and his coming again. Praise be to God for the doctrine of Christian baptism in part as we see it on this occasion, on this day, when we remember that our Lord was baptized on the banks of the river of Galilee. And I hope you never think of his baptism as just simply a nice little event. But it is an all-encompassing truth that sweeps you up into the arms of the divine love. Praise be to God for the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.